as we say, this book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. And again, when we go to this, because North Lake, we don't want this to be something that is just uh, by rote. The fact is, Jesus Christ has changed our lives. The only hope for our community, for our lost friends, family, is the living water, Jesus Christ. So we can't just say that we hope we've got to, if we're not already, be convinced living water changes everything one life at a time amen so i want to talk to you this year about the greatness of god i want to talk to you about the greatness of god and I just want to, in a very brief, before we get into the specifics of the sermon today, talk to you about why we're covering this uh, topic. And we are going to be doing a number of series throughout the year as we touch on this. But I have found that where there is great distress and where there is great problems becomes the greatest chance for the greatness of God to be revealed. Do you hear me? The, 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 the time when there's the greatest stress, greatest problems, greatest turmoil, it's nothing for our God. The greatness of God shines through, and I believe that God has called us to let the light of Jesus Christ shine in us in a way that the greatness of God will be revealed in 2015. And so that is going to be a focus, that thought, the greatness of God, and it will be a new series, uh, uh, sermon series at North Lake Church. But then I just want to walk you through some of the areas that we will hit on because throughout the year we're going to bring it back to this thought that God desires for people to see the greatness of God. Now, how many of you know, like me, that there are often times where I don't do real well showing the greatness of God. <laughs> I miss the mark. I mar the image of what people need to see because unfortunately I live in this flesh and sometimes instead of walking by the Spirit, I walk by my natural man, my natural nature. Wow, I wanted to say natural nature. Wanted to come out M on both of those words. <laughs> My natural nature, and when I do, I fail. And people fail to see the greatness of God. But God has displayed, and the first thing we're going to look at going over a six-week series is specific people in the Bible that allowed the greatness of God to shine through their lives. And what we're going to find is it didn't mean that they were always stellar people. <laughs> And so it gives us hope. Then the next thing we're going to talk about uh, is forgiveness. And we're going to go through a six-week uh, uh, series on the forgiveness of God and how it is that it displays the greatness of God. Then we're going to talk about something that's very relevant. Seven reasons why people don't attend church. And how do you suppose those are going to be overcome? 
I submit to you, it'll only be by the greatness of God. Amen? Then we're going to, this summer, cover three things. The person of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the power or gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because in the person and the fruit and the power of the gifts, the greatness of God is displayed. And so we're going to talk about that. This fall, we're going to go into a series called Facing Life's Giants. We're going to talk about the eight largest struggles of life. Sometimes life just beats us up. But guess what? That's when the greatness of God can come through. That's when the greatness of God is best. Then we're going to uh, focus the year as the year approaches at Christmas on the love of God. The love of God gives us reason for hope, gives us reason to shout, gives us reason to be thankful at Thanksgiving, gives us reason to have joy during Christmas because God so loved. Amen? So I want you to be excited as we focus 2015 on the greatness of God. Amen? Amen. Well, now I want us to turn specifically to probably uh, one of the stories in the Bible that is maybe known best about the three, they say children, but they weren't children, the three Hebrew young men who were in the furnace. Now, immediately say, Pastor, you got a wrong slide because it's more than three. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But the Bible talks about this story in Daniel chapter 3. So if you want to get ready and turn there. Now, we are going to look at the entire chapter of Daniel, but for the sake of not... Uh, wanting to inundate you with words, I have taken a specific place out of that chapter that we're going to look at and read, but I'm going to reference and we're going to look at the entire chapter of Daniel chapter 3 as we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the greatness of God shining through them and how it relates to us even today. Because that's the great thing about God's Word. It talks to us about what happens then. It speaks to us about what God did then. But then when we understand what God was doing then and the circumstances, God has something for us today to know and to see and to learn. So we are going to look at the greatness of God as we go through Daniel chapter 3. And the place in Scripture where we're going to focus is Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. Again, we'll look at the entire chapter. We'll make reference to it because there are some important things to point out about what is happening here. But let's look at verses 16 through 17, and let me preface it by saying that we're right at a point in this story where the king has made a decree that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are trying to decide whether they will need to follow, and this is their answer to the king. This is the answer to Nebuchadnezzar. 
Starting at verse number 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the, fire, from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. If there was ever a moment in history where we have a dichotomy of choosing sides, of truly deciding, is the gospel of Jesus Christ going to be relevant and going to shine through me during this age, or am I simply going to follow what everyone else is doing? And I tell you, like the frog in the kettle, if you've never heard of the book, it's about how the subtle things of life tend to push you further and further away from really what you want. It talks about a frog being in a, ke in a kettle, and if you throw a live frog into a hot kettle, guess what he does? He jumps out. But if you take that same frog and you just turn it up two or three degrees at a time and let the frog get comfortable, he will literally sit and boil to death without moving. Now, I tell you, I don't believe God has called the church to be a frog in the kettle. I do not believe for a moment that God has called North Lake Church to be a potted plant on the hill and be a warm, fuzzy thing, although I want people to be filled with good things, I want them to be changed by the power of God. Unless they have an encounter with Jesus Christ, there is no hope. That's not politically correct, but it's biblically correct. And it is the hope that the world still has today. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's always been and always will be. So the first thing we're going to look at in this portion of Scripture in Daniel, and the thing I want to talk about is that is there are moments in time, whether it be in a nation, whether it be in a circumstance, an event, or something taking place where culturally they are ripe. They're ready. And we look and we see in this passage of Scripture, if you look at verses 1 through 7, you look at what was happening. You look at a king who had absolute authority. You look at a king who was very powerful, very uh, uh, able to have a lot of influence. Influence is a great thing unless it is in the hands of someone that's corrupt in nature. Influence can be a very evil thing. 
And here we see that because of Nebuchadnezzar's pride, because of him uh, having absolute power, the corruption came and he determined that everyone ought to do what he wanted them to do. Kind of culturally in our nation, we are being pushed and pushed and pushed into what the world thinks we ought to be doing. And though I will tell you that we as a church need to always be on the cutting edge of being relevant to reach people for Jesus, that does not mean we conform and give up the Word of God. The difference is one is external, one is internal. And when the Word of God is internal and in you, it does move you to say at certain things, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not going there. But the culture pushes and pushes and pushes, and here's the picture we get. Most of those who were just going along and being part of the event or the situation, or, you know, it doesn't just happen always in nations. Sometimes it just happens in one circumstance. And we can get caught up. They got caught up. Here, as you look at it, all the people, Nebuchadnezzar came to, first of all, his leaders. To the sad traps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates. And he laid out the law. This is how it's going to be. And when they started doing it and started agreeing with it, don't you know it becomes a lot easier for others to do it? Now, how relevant is that for us today? So as we look at this, this is happening here in, as uh, Dandy's or Daniel's friends. And we look and here they have been set up. Nebuchadnezzar had set them up in positions of authority. So uh, this is what the trouble was. But Nebuchadnezzar comes to his leaders first. And listen to what he says in the end of verse number 5. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has set up. They heard it from the king, now they're telling the people. And guess what it says in verse number 7? At the end of verse 7 it says, All the peoples, nations, and every man of every language fell down and worshipped. That is a picture of our culture today. Everybody's saying, yep, I'm in. Everybody's doing it. Yep, it's the easy thing to do. And I will tell us that if we truly look after the easy things to do all the time, you will be in trouble. Because <laughs> broad is the way that leads to destruction, Jesus says in Matthew 7 and many are going to find it. And narrow is the way that leads to life. And few are going to find it. You say, Pastor Brian, that, that, that's very, not, not, only, not only politically correct, that's very narrow-minded. Well, we can look at it that way, or as I have told you before, we can look at it very simply. God made it very simple. 
He did not say, I hope you can find the way to me. There's 20 ways. Pick which one is right. God said, there's one way, Jesus Christ. And I made it as simple as I could. So here, we're in this time where the people and all of those that were under Nebuchadnezzar's command, the leaders came out, they said what the king wanted to do, everybody's going along with it, and all of the masses just followed. How easy it is in a ripe event, situation, or even in a nation to just do what feels good. That was my generation that started that one. If it feels good, do it. That was the 80s thing, man. Well, I mean, we, we coined the phrase and we did it. It was one of the stupidest things that someone ever thought of because I hurt myself many times trying to do that. But every generation has their thing, and it, it, whether you're in a life circumstance, maybe at school or at the workplace, or as we look and we see we are headed as a nation, there are moments in time where if we're not careful, we're going to get caught up, and we'll just end up just raising our hand like everyone else. Have you ever thought of this? I have. Have you ever been in a situation, I have to my shame, where I've just said to God, God, you know my heart really isn't into this, and you know that this is not where I'm at, but, you know, it's not going to matter if I just dip a little bit. To my shame, I've done it. I've had those moments. And every time they've happened to me, my heart is crushed. Because, not because I could have done anything about it, because in my power, I fail. But if I would have only said, Jesus, I need your strength. Lord, I want to stand. Would you empower me? If I would have at that moment made that decision, I tell you all the power of heaven would be available. To stand. So what I'm saying is in that situation, whether it be at the office or wherever it is, we need to be keenly aware that the Hebrew children could have been one of those that said, look, God knows our hearts. God knows that we're uh, Israelites. God knows we don't worship other idols. But who's going to see in the midst of all these people if we just quickly... And we know in our hearts we're not doing anything. I think it's time for us to be counted with those who are a part of his body. Scripture says in Timothy, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's the word of God. Anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, I'm not talking, persecution comes in all kinds of different forms. Doesn't always mean a martyr. Although, 
Guys, we're dying anyway. May I just tell you that? This whole cultural thing of holding on to your youth truly because you think you're going to live forever is a joke. The Bible says you've been given 120 years and the far majority of us don't see them. We're all in a spot and there's nothing you can do about it. But one thing I know, when that time comes, I want to be his. (laughs) I want to be his. So here, that was happening in the culture. Well, let's move on. Whenever you see that this is happening, whether it's an event, whether it's a situation, whether it's a nation or whatever's happening, now we look at verses 8 through 22. And you see that immediately because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down, they said, nothing doing, we are going to hold and we are serving the Lord and Him only. What happened? Persecution immediately came. When you make a bold statement for God, don't be surprised. The book of Peter says, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as if something strange was happening to you. But be counted worthy because God's going to refine your faith as gold. Hallelujah. Now, if you think about that analogy, the only way gold is refined is by fire. Going through the fire, and God burns more and more of that black dross out of my life. Until more and more he sees his reflection. Persecution came. It said the Chaldeans came forward in verse number 8 and brought charges against the Jews. Well, if you notice that any time that the people of God are standing up, whether it be at your office, your school, around the world, what's happening? Immediately fault is found. Immediately the fight's on. And we need to say, Lord, we still will not bow. You say, well, these are hard times. Well, let me encourage you with this. Of all the times God had you be born, it was this one. God obviously thinks you're worth being here. You hear me? So you say, well, I I should... Yes, God had you be born for such a time as this. Let His Holy Spirit fill you with power and fire so that when the day of testing comes, you will stand and say, Lord, I am yours. I believe, if you look at this, the only way these Hebrew children, or these Hebrew adults, young adults, were able to stand is because of the boldness of God. This was not something they pulled off by themselves. I know because I I have that same churning that happens and I think oh God 
I want to run so bad. Can't, isn't there a way out of this? But if you will say, God, if this is of you, let your spirit touch me now and let me by faith step out. I believe these children, when they saw the opposition, when they heard uh, that, that these people went, listen to what happened. It says they went directly to the king. And they said, you have appointed these people over Babylon, and yet these people that you have appointed, in verse 12 he says, disregard you. Now I, I know that God has his believers in all walks of life. You can see it in our schools, in our government still. In every area of walk of life, there is a person of faith that truly is Jesus Christ. They belong to him. I believe God is calling the church to stand. Because I believe it is the best chance for the greatness of God to ever be displayed. You, you see, I'm just that crazy to believe. See, God says at the last coming, there's also going to be an incredible harvest. And I believe that harvest will come when us who are here say, God, I'm standing. And I don't know the ripple effect or you don't know the ripple effect of your life that may happen. But we're about to read a few minutes later about the ripple effect it had. And oftentimes we do not give it credit. God is doing spiritual things that you don't even understand. He's doing spiritual warfare and things are happening that we have not a clue if we're willing to stand for him. Now, let me tell you, with that being said, Every time persecution has come, every time they've tried to silence the cross and the word of God, and boldness comes in the people of God, I would like to tell you that immediately the battle's over. <laughs> but read it. What happened when God gave these Hebrew children this boldness? They came in verse 8, said, these people aren't obeying you. That was bold. But listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says. Verse 13 says, he was in rage and anger. And he gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 13. And Nebuchadnezzar responded to them, is it true? There's a lot of that going around as well. Boy, when you tell people that you're a Christ follower, uh, they, they really, tongue-in-cheek, make it very unbearable. And the king here says, is it true? It can, and he almost says it tongue-in-cheek. It can't be. It just can't be that you are really going to follow after that God of yours when clearly everybody's doing this, and I've already made the decree that people are going to die if they don't. 
And then he says, now, if you're ready, isn't that how it is? It happened then, right after the boldness, more persecution and another test comes. Don't think that when you stand for God once, that you won't have to again say, God, I know I heard you and I'm standing, come what may. So when you stand, get ready for another testing, another trial. And then get ready to say, God, we're standing no matter what. So he said, now if you're ready, at the moment you hear all the f- instruments and uh, psaltery and the bagpipe, all the things that he had, and when that happens, you fall down and worship, verse 15, and then he says, very well. He try, he's trying to manipulate them. Do you see it? He's trying to say, now I'm going to give you another chance because certainly you didn't say what you, and if you said it, you couldn't have meant it. I'm telling you, the world will do it to you. Those who are in the kettle already following will do it to you. You're going to hear it all around you. All the excuses and reasons why you shouldn't follow God. And listen to what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say. It says, again, this is one we started with, King, we don't even need to give you an answer. (laughs) There's no answer to give. Do you hear them? They said, we're not going to answer you because we didn't stutter the first time. (laughs) We're going to do exactly what we said. Praise God that the people of God would be filled with his power. Again, the Hebrew children were filled with his power. It's the only way they stood. And how are you and I going to stand in a day like this? By the power of the Spirit of God. We can and will stand by his grace, by his power. When that happens, I hope that we will say the same thing. We don't need to give you an answer in this. <laughs> if they other ever came, now I know I'm walking in territory here, but I want you to know we've already talked about it as leaders at the church. That as it does it ever came where they take away our five oh three five or one three. It's like me trying to say 3PCO or whatever that guy is. <laughs> that was a 70s thing. I never did get that either. <laughs> but if they ever try to revoke us being a nonprofit, guess what? We're still going to be the church. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If I get a tax break, I'm serving God. The point is, we've got to be ready, and they said it to the king. Oh, king, we are not going to serve your gods. And here's the kicker. Here's the incredible statement of faith in the time of persecution. Not that you say it, saying we don't need to be careful. 
because we know God's getting us out of this. That's not what the Hebrew children said. Do you hear what they said? They said in 18, let it be known if he chooses to save us or let us die, we're not serving your God. That is a statement of faith. And until you can say, God, if I'm going down, I'm going to at least go down doing what is good. <laughs> God, if I'm going to go, I'm at least going to go serving you. Because either way, I'm going one time or another. <laughs> but find yourself on the Lord's side when you go. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe... As we get ready to now uh, talk about persecution and what happens, because see, it not only happens with another test, but listens to listen to what happened to the king. Verse nineteen. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath. Now it already talked about that he was filled with rage, okay, and anger. Now it says he was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered. This is the first conniption fit in the Bible. <laughs> this is the first one that ever happened. It was King Nebuchadnezzar. He had a conniption fit right there. He could not believe his ears. And he just was totally beside himself. He just said, this is not, can't be. <laughs> it had, I wish I could have been there. It had to have been a moment. But that's the only way I can think of that. When it says his facial expression was altered. <laughs> and he answered by giving the orders. And here's where you need to know. I, I, I'm not flippant about what I'm asking us to do, either as an individual or a church. I'm not being flippant about persecution. Understand, I'm flesh just like you. I'm flesh and blood, I'm human. But I'm also wanting to see the greatness of God displayed. And I'm tired of walking in the natural man. And I'm tired of walking in my flesh. I want to walk by the power of the Spirit of God. I want to see the holiness and the greatness of God revealed in the people's lives. I want to see people set free from sin and bondage that people or authorities or whoever has established. I want to see Jesus reign. Hallelujah. I want to see him. And if that happens, the fire will get hotter. When their bold declaration came, I would like to tell you that God immediately came and it was all over. But guess what? 
after Nebuchadnezzar had his conniption fit, he heated the furnace seven times hotter. Imagine that. Now, seriously, have any of you ever been in a time in your life or a place in your life where you thought, God, here I am. I've tried to stand for you. I'm not trying to go with the crowd, and I'm trying to stand for the Word of God, and I made this bold declaration, and the, they just had a conniption fit. And now it's seven times hotter than it was. Hold on, God's not finished. That's the only thing I can tell you. Because God says in the scripture in Corinthians 13.10 that no temptation has seized you but what is common to man. And God will not allow you to suffer beyond what you can bear, but will always provide a way out. So that you are able to stand up under it. Do you notice God didn't say, take you out of it. He said, I'll make you stand up under it. That's where the greatness of God is revealed. See, we, we have this idea that we think we know how to do things. Oh, man. I'm telling you, he is a man of war. He knows how to do it. He knows how to save the day and come in where nobody gets the glory but him. And here... He heats the fire. He heats the furnace. And in fact, after telling him that, it was seven times hot, hotter. Then we're going to look at verses 23 through 27. And that's the next slide. I would like to tell you that after it got seven times hotter, that God came and did away with Nebuchadnezzar and Fixed everything. But what I read is that Nebuchadnezzar picked his best and most stout guards and said, get them in the furnace. And in fact, when you read there in that 23rd, 24, 25, 26, and 27, right around in that area, says that it was so hot that when they threw them into the fire, they perished. They literally died at the entrance to the door of the furnace, just throwing them in. That's how hot it was. I know maybe some of you have felt, God, God it just can't get any hotter. I just, I'm going to perish. Don't you realize we're going to die? The disciples in the boat said the same thing to Jesus. Don't you care that we're going to perish? And Jesus stood up and said, in Texas terms, y'all, I got it under control. I got it. And he looked at the storm and said, 
peace, be quiet. The wind and the waves obey him. And the winds and the waves of your trial must obey him. God will not let you endure anything what is common to man. And all of us have those times when we think our thing is the worst thing that ever happened to anybody on the face of the earth. Isn't that true? That's our human nature. But God says what's happened to you is common to man. And I will give you a way out so you can stand up under it. All right. So, the point is this. God may let you be thrown into the fire. Pastor, I thought you were going to encourage us. (laughs) Well, when you're in Him, I will tell you that nothing will be able to say you're done until God says, come home. When you're His... No man or no plan of man, nothing can thwart the plan of God for your life. Not blissful ignorance or arrogance, but praise God, blessed under His blood authority to do His will till He calls me home. There is a time when Jesus will allow you to go through the fire. Not always, but sometimes he will. Sometimes you will get thrown into the fire. And here's the awesome thing. As all these people, and they show this picture here, which I I, I know it's just a depiction, but you know the scripture says Nebuchadnezzar saw someone that looked like the Son of God. doesn't say anything that the Hebrew children saw. Do you feel at times in your fire, God, I just don't see you anywhere. God, here I am. I've stood for you. I've done what is right. I've done my best. I've been a righteous man, woman. I have followed after you. I've been here. I've stood. The the flame got seven times hotter, and now they've thrown me in the furnace. Where are you? Don't think that just because you can't see Jesus doesn't mean those looking on you can't see Jesus. Because when you're in the midst of the flame and you're under the power of the Holy Spirit and God is there with you, people see Jesus. They will see him just like Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't saved. He didn't love God. He didn't serve God. There he was standing and he says, I see someone that looks like the Son of God. And I see something else that's funny. They're walking around unharmed. That's the funny part. When he go back to the king, 
the king says, hey, didn't we throw three people in there? Now he's beginning to think he's crazy. <laughs> and when people who don't have the Spirit of God look on you and see you under trial, God making you bear up under it, they'll think you're from another world. And you are! <laughs> because the Spirit of God lives in you. And so when that's happening, and you look and you see, you see four people. What do they see? They see Jesus. They see Jesus. And this was more than just God doing a little thing. Listen, it not only affected King Nebuchadnezzar in verse 24. It affected those authority, the satraps, the prefects, the governors. They all came out and they inspected the clothing of the, of the adult Hebrew children. But they said not even the smell of smoke was on their trousers. Now, or in their hair. Now, not a single hair on their head was singed. Now, guys, when you're walking through a trial or a, a struggle, or God allows something, I don't know. God does miracles in this world too, you know. Not just all spiritual. God can say to the mountain, be cast into the sea, and it moves. We serve a big God. What I'm saying is in the midst of that, when they come out to inspect your clothing and they don't smell any smoke, it has incredible impact. It has God-greatness impact. And that's what happened. When they witnessed this, when they saw Jesus and the Hebrew children, quite possibly, I think, did not ever see him. Because that's how God is. He does things like that. But he was there. And so next time you think, I wonder if God is there. If you're his child, Scripture says... Never will I leave you nor forsake you. Never. That means circumstances can cry all they want. You are right next to the King of Kings as long as you haven't abandoned your faith. <laughs> and then comes the best part. When that happens, the greatness of God is displayed. When that happens, there the blessing of God happens. When we finally say, look, I don't know what you're doing, but I am not budging. I don't care how much you persecute me. I'm not going. I don't care if the flames get seven times hotter. It ain't happening. And when they see that, I'm telling you, your witness and the greatness of God will be displayed. And people will know only God is God. Listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says. He says, 
No other God who is able to deliver in this way, verse 29, there's nobody like God. Jesus, in John 8, I believe it's 54, somewhere around in there, it's where the Pharisees are questioning him, and he says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. And that is the, the, the most sweetest thing to hear, that I am is with you. I am is with you and knows what's happening. And he's wanting to allow the greatest opportunity for the greatness of God to be displayed. What happened? Turn the heart's king. To, to turn the king of the... Turn the heart of the king. Some words just don't come out the right way. <laughs> he changed the, the heart of the king. The king all of a sudden said, look, no one says anything about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in fact, anybody that says anything is going to be in big trouble. <laughs> all of a sudden, his heart changed. And don't you know, although it doesn't say, that those leaders, the governors, the sad traps, the prefects, and all those people, they were shocked. And they knew that this God that these Israelites served was the I Am. Bow your head with me this morning.